Postcards from a Dying World, the podcast. For more than a decade, I've reviewed over 1,000 books that are mostly science fiction, horror, and bizarro. This feed will feature bonus audio I have produced over the years, as well as a monthly digest of reviews based on what I've read each month, plus the occasional bonus material about my own fiction. Thanks for listening. Hey, welcome to the June 2020 Reading Digest for Podcasts from a Dying World. This is where I just kind of wrap up the stuff that I read for the last month. And this isn't necessarily everything. I mean, I might have read graphic novels or in whatever I read for the Dickheads podcast. As far as like the latest Philip K. Dick book, I'm not going to talk about because I'm going to talk about that on the Dickheads podcast, which you should listen to. Okay, so uh, the first book that I read in the month of June was Rocket to the Morgue by Anthony Boucher. I took an interesting route to this book. Anthony Boucher, whose real name is William Anthony Parker, wrote books and edited magazines in more than one genre. It is one thing to have such an impact on the genre that awards and conventions are named after you, but it's amazing to have that kind of impact on two genres. So Boucher is known for being the godfather of the American mystery novels, like the pulpy paperback mystery novels. But it was his impact on science fiction that got my attention, of course. I will admit that years ago, Boucher was a name I didn't even know. But when we started doing the Dickheads podcast, uh, there was a running joke that, that grew up throughout the early shows, which was shout out to Tony, because his influence on the life of Philip K. Dick was profound, and it was something that kept coming up. Now, Rocket to the Morgue, uh, was written in 1940. Boucher and his wife were living in L.A., and Boucher became the member of a writer's group called the Minyana Literary Society. This was a real writer's group that at the time was hosted by Robert Heinlein and included L. Ron Hubbard, Henry Kuttner, his wife, C.L. Moore, shout out to uh, Hoosier-born uh, C.L. Moore, to name a few. And Boucher used this group and real-life science fiction figures like Forrest J. Ackerman and John W. Campbell as characters in this murder mystery. Keep in mind, this novel was released under the name H.H. Holmes. Yes, that is the same name as the less famous at the time first American serial killer. Boucher made himself a character in the book as well. The details of the group are thinly veiled, but Austin Carter in the book is clearly Heinlein. D. Vance Winpool is definitely L. Ron Hubbard. Halstead Finn is likely the future founder of Forest Monsters, Forrest J. Ackerman, who in 1940 was an agent. And Don Stewart, who is mentioned, is likely John W. Campbell. So you see, this book is a work of genius and is super important to the history of two genres. It's important because, one, Boucher was telling a fascinated fascinating, excuse me, locked room mystery with interesting characters. And Boucher's comments on a meta level about the personalities of important figures in the history of science fiction is just really cool. It's a chance to get to know these figures. Now, Boucher tells a great story and still manages to comment on the science fiction genre at the time. That was in its infancy. So um, most of the science fiction at the time was confined to pulp magazines and tiny convention halls. Um, science fiction novels just didn't get hardcover books, and so he was introducing the world to the genre just two years before he approached uh, a major magazine to open his own science fiction magazine, which still publishes today, 50 years after his death. 
And number four reason why Rush of the Morgue is important is that it's a mystery novel. And sure, the most recent edition, which features a great introduction by a favorite of mine, F. Paul Wilson, um, set, you know, says that the mystery isn't that great. But that's not what makes the book special. What makes this, uh, to me, so special is that it can be shelved with the nonfiction books about the genre. Um, and we did uh, recently an episode of the Dickheads podcast that's uh, shout out to Tony Boucher, which you can listen to, where I talked to the current editor of the magazine of fantasy science fiction critic Gene Wolfe and F. Paul Wilson himself about Tony Boucher. So check that out. Um, also recorded an episode of Dickheads that is not out yet um, about The Iron Dream by Norman Spinrad, which is the next book I read this um, in the month of June. This is a really weird book to review. It's deeply weird and a misunderstood book that is both a work of genius and a steaming pile of shit at the same time, which is quite a trick. I mean, Norman Spinrad, who wrote it, is an underrated genius, and he knew full well that he was taking a literary dump. It's one of those ideas that punk rockers have all the time, like, hey, let's just do this ridiculous band and be totally hilarious. Some um, remain jokes, like the Anthrax guys doing Stormtroopers of Death. Sometimes they become serious bands like Vegan Rick and Race Trader. Look them up. Anywho, Norman Spinrad, if you don't know, is a progressive anarchist science fiction writer who in the early 70s was living in England. He and his friend, um, editor and author Michael Moorcock, were talking about how to construct a sword and sorcery novel. It occurred to Spinrad that the very nature of pulp sci-fi in the era was in the need of a little satire. Well, a very big satire. Anyways, the really weird thing is that about this book is that most satires are funny and they operate uh, with tongue in cheek and are fun. Sci-fi has a long tradition of humorous satire from Frederick Paul and Cornblues, uh, Space Merchants, Vonnegut, and probably the most famous is Douglas Adams' Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Plenty of sci-fi satires laugh out loud funny, but this satire is played very serious. The idea was, what if Hitler wrote a space opera? And so the book inside the book is The Lord of the Swastika. And yeah, The Lord of the Swastika is a terrible novel, but The Iron Dream is a complicated work of genius that is bound to confuse those who don't look past the surface. Its purple prose is dialed to 11 on the juvenile fascist machismo scale. And the thing is, it is intentional in Spinrad commenting on the genre genre of pulp action adventure like Robert Howard is totally savage and awesome. So you see, The Iron Dream is a two-star read, but it is a five-star experiment of political satire, and that leaves me feeling that it's a four-star average. The novel ends with a fictional afterword about Hitler and a very critical review of the novel. In many ways, that is all you need to read. The message would probably have worked better as a novella or a short story with uh, the fictional biographical parts of Hitler's life, alternative life mixed in. But, you know, the Iron Dream is what it is. So the next book that I read is a soon-to-be-released, not-yet-released novel by former guest of the Dickheads podcast, D. Harlan Wilson, Professor David Harlan Wilson. And I have um, probably reviewed about eight of his books in the last 11 years. And in 2008, he won the first-ever Wonderland Award for his totally crazy novel, Dr. Identity, which I always mention because I love it. 
The book is one of the most hilarious science fiction novels I've ever read. It is one part Philip K. Dick and another part Monty Python. Of all the voices working the spaces between science fiction, bizarro, absurdism, and literary fiction, no one is surfing all those waves quite like D. Harlan Wilson. On the surface, Wilson is not my type of writer. I am a structure and conventional style nerd, and what appeals to me most about Wilson's work is that I also love weird and totally gonzo insane concepts, but my favorite stuff is work that balances those two things with the things that I like about structure and stuff like that. So I want to convince you that if you like weird out there stuff, you need D. Harlan Wilson in front of your eyeballs, okay? Wilson could give a fuck about the rules, and this is not a three-act structure or a narrative that would be taught by a stuffy English professor. Wilson has a weird mind, and this book has a concept and a setting that are kind of without framework. So, well, it has a little bit of framework. Anyways, Wilson is letting the funk out of his mind without limitations. And for me, one of the best parts is I'm always laughing when I read his books. This novel is weird, but perhaps not as weird as his last book, The Psychotic Dr. Schreiber, which is 150 pages of insanity. And uh, this was kind of a tight concept in the sense that 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 one was a tight concept and that it was inspired by a real life psychopath. A habit that Wilson has gotten into over the years. He's written surreal biographies of noted figures, including Hitler. Ha, we were just talking about Hitler. Anyways, Outre is the name of the new D. Harlan Wilson book. Outre. I don't know if I even mentioned that. But anyways, Outre is a return of sorts to bizarro science fiction, influenced heavily by the biocritical book that he just recently wrote about J.G. Ballard. I'm not stretching to say that this that um, his concentration or his connection on the page is like word for word. It's um, quote overpopulation has rendered the surface of the earth an exoskeleton of Ballardian high rises. So I mean he says it right there. But anyways, outro is great. It's the same kind of skits flow and updated middle finger lifted to the current media landscape that you know uh, D. Harlan Wilson is known for. So also released this year is The Boatman's Daughter by Andy Davidson. This is the first non-sci-fi book I've read in a while. And sorry about the siren out there. The Boatman's Daughter by Andy Davidson. Now, his debut novel, In the Valley of the Sun... Um, inspired many well-deserved hyperbolic reviews from even myself. In 2017, it was my second favorite book of the year behind Chad Stroop's Secrets of the Weird. Many reviewers were hailing Davidson as the next big discovery in the horror genre. Now, I, I said that it was a Southern Gothic that is like the movie Near Dark if it was written by Cormac McCarthy. The official statements by the publisher make the comparison to Joe Hill and Anne Rice, which I don't really see. But, you know, anyways, it has more in common with Nick Pizzolatto than it does uh, Anne Rice or Joe Hill. This current novel is the story of Miranda, whose father was a drug runner going up and down the rivers, channels of rural Arkansas by boat delivering drugs, which kind of reminded me of Jeff Nichols' movie Mud. Uh, which also uh, is an Arkansas story. 
When her father is killed, Miranda has to grow up fast and take on his jobs, and most of the action takes place 10 years on. Miranda has to deal with a rose gallery of redneck criminals, a gross preacher, supernatural forces centered around a coven housed at a place called Sabbath House. Yeah, there's a lot of cool stuff going on here. The noir elements are underlined by the uh, um, by quickly drawn and dynamic characters who establish themselves in the story very well. The prose uses beautiful flourish to give the setting a sweaty, lived-in feeling. All these elements give the world depth. That is why uh, the more outlandish horror moments in the book work so well. I enjoyed Boatman's Daughter, but it was not the lightning bolt to the system that In the Valley of the Sun was. That was a total and complete game-changer. This book establishes that we can look forward to a career full of powerful novels of high-class horror and sign me up every single time. Andy Davidson puts out a book. I'm going to check it out. All right. Now, last for the month of June is Revelations by Barry Maltzberg, which has recently been reissued by Antiopedius Press, uh, which is uh, Professor David Harlan Wilson, who we've already talked about. It's his um, publishing company. So... Since he was reissuing Revelations, which I recently reread, um, I wanted to check out his edition. And it, I think it's out now, but um, Dr. Wilson was uh, so nice to send me a copy. And I'm glad I got to look at the reissue because uh, it gave me a whole other look inside the book. And this is, with Maltzberg, his books are so weird, you really do get something out of a second read. So I know the first question you huge Maltzberg ha- fans have is, um, you know, and look, I know there's a bunch of you weirdos out there who love Maltzberg. You might have the first, uh, the second or first edition, but is there a reason to pick up this edition besides just the amazing cover? Yes, yes, yes. There are several reasons to pick up the AOP edition. First and foremost is the idea that having Maltzberg back in print is important. While Philip K. Dick finally got the respect he deserved after his death, AOP is making sure that we do not miss the chance to honor Maltzberg while he's still very much with us. He just turned 80, by the way. While nowhere near the recognition Maltzberg deserves, the AOP reissues of Beyond Apollo, Galaxies, The Falling Astronauts, and Now Revelations make up a thematically linked series that is as fun as they are important. Second, the new introduction and afterwards are excellent and insightful. The introduction is a middle finger piece written by D. Harlan Wilson. The message of the introduction is science fiction is dead and a product native to the 20th century. I'm sure Maltzberg enjoyed this message as he has made clear he has no love for modern science fiction. I'm not sure I agree with the message but along the way, but Wilson gives a great history um, of the 60s new wave science fiction and cyberpunk and includes where Maltzberg fits in. This book includes the second edition afterward and um, a brand a, a brand new one. Anyways, um, while it is short, it's insightful, it's better than the recovery edition, and it has a, a super awesome cover. So I don't think you can go wrong with Revelations uh, by Barry Maltzberg because it's all it's all done with everything you expect from Gonzo New Wave Science Fiction. Paranoid, unreliable narrators, sadistic psychosexual manipulation, horrible political realities, and much, much more. So this is a quick read, but it's really crazy and weird. So uh, the month of July uh, is going to be a fun uh, time for reading um, 
and I'm looking forward to telling you about it in July so far, and I'm not, I'm way not done with the month. I've read the prequel to the Picard series, Waste Tide, the Chinese sci-fi novel, and Kindness of Ghosts, um, Lovecraft Country, and the extrapolation Afrofuturism uh, journal. So uh, I'll see you next, or well, you'll hear from me next month with those reviews. Anyways, thanks for listening to this digest of the Postcards from Dying World reviews for June 2020.